Hey, we're glad to see you tonight. Thank you for being with us. Let's all stand together. Uh, we'll make a joyful noise. Brother Ken wearing the ugly Carolina socks is going to come sing for us tonight. Come on, buddy. Amen. We're going to sing when the roll is called up yonder. We'll do all three verses tonight. That's when the roll is called up yonder. The trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there When the roll is called up yonder When the roll is called up yonder When the roll up yonder when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ken. Let's remain standing for prayer tonight. I want to give you... Four or five quick requests this evening before we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, I had put out on our call system to please pray for Brother Larry Biggs. Pam and I were chatting as I was driving here tonight, and uh, Larry is home, so we praise the Lord for that. They're not quite sure exactly what happened to him, uh, but he passed out, had some significant issues. COVID test was negative, but please pray for Brother Larry if you would. Continue to pray for Brother Doug Clark. Uh, of course, I mentioned to you he's home, but lots of issues he's dealing with. Uh, pray for uh, the Carol family, Mike and Kim and Michaela. Uh, they had put this out in social media, so I think it's all right to share. They're dealing with COVID as well, so please lift them up if you would. Uh, we'd been talking to you about Sister Jill Lentz. Uh, Jill Lentz is one of our mission. Uh, Greg is one of our missionaries. Jill, his uh, wife, precious lady, uh, had her first cancer surgery today for breast cancer, and she's meeting with the doctors in the coming days, so please lift her up if you would. And then Brother Bob, Miss Kyla, Pat Stamper, a few others that had called us and asked us to have some special prayer for them. Uh, we'll do that tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you in the name of every name, that name Jesus, at whose name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Lord, we count it an honor and a privilege to be able to assemble ourselves together this Wednesday night. Lord, thankful for those that have made their way into the church and for those that are listening via live stream this evening. We're honored and delighted to be in their home tonight. Lord, it's our privilege to be able to share one another's burdens where you've told us in your word 
that we are commanded to bear one another's burdens. So thank you for the opportunity to bear these prayer requests, to lift them up to you. Lord, those that are being put in now in the chat feature, I pray that you bless each situation there, for you know each one. We thank you for answered prayer. What a blessing it was this past Sunday to see folks that we'd been praying for walk into our church Sunday morning, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our Bible study time tonight. Lord, that you would meet with us, speak through us. May the precious name of Jesus be glorified. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stay standing, Brother Ken. Let's sing a song. Amen. We'll do the chorus of the windows of heaven. I know we like to sing that around here. At least I do. We'll sing the windows of heaven one time through. Jesus made everything right. I gave him my old tattered garment. He gave me a robe of pure white. I'm feasting on manna from heaven. And that's why I'm happy tonight. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Let me go through several announcements with you now. First of all, our November Call to Glory, uh, those devotion guides are in. Help yourself, pick those up. Don't forget that if you would. Thank you to those who brought in candy uh, for our activity this coming Saturday on October the 31st. We'll have a good time of fellowship, of course, continuing to exercise the safety protocols. We'll start at 6 o'clock. Uh, with uh, a, a meal that will be boxed up as it was last time, and then uh, movie night sometime around 6.37, something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll play that by ear. Kids uh, will also receive candy as they leave. I say, I say kids will receive candy, but there were some mighty good desserts brought in last movie night. So how many of you will amen adults might have a little bit of fun as well? Amen. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, let me also just remind you, uh, about our Operation Christmas Child. Pam was updating me, Sister Pam Holland. Between what's already been packed and what's already the stuff that's brought in, uh, we look like we have about 130 boxes ready. So we're shooting for 200. So we're asking between now and November the 15th, if you would help us out with that, get those brought in. If you're not interested in buying the stuff, remember that you can always uh, give the money uh, on our online platform or in the regular offering, and we'll go out and take care of that. Speaking of offering. Uh, we have a new way. You know you know Baptist Church when they come up with new ways to tithe. Can anybody say amen? Uh, we, of course, transitioned several years ago to the opportunity to tithe online. I tell you, I love it. I, I, I pay my tithes in about five seconds uh, on Saturdays. I love it. Uh, we have a new way now as well, and you can now text your tithes. Uh, so you can just open up the text feature, put in the amount, what you want it to go to, and it instantly takes care of it. If you're interested in that... If you're interested in that, I, I'm already seeing husbands and wives have, we'll have counseling afterwards, you too. I'm not, <laughs> I, he's over here saying, it's my phone, it's my phone, it's my phone. <laughs> Text it to hear your phone. I gotcha. If you're interested in uh, learning anything about that, if that appeals to you, we've got some flyers up here. Grab the flyer, but then I also want you to talk to Brother Scott as well. There's a couple of nuances about it that he can walk you through. Brother Scott and I both beta tested this, and after you set it up, it took me about five minutes to set it up, and now it takes truly about five seconds to text your tithes as well if you want to do it and know it's not going to your phone, Cameron. 
Uh, so if you're interested, you can see, get this information, and I, I, I know it'll be a blessing to you. And then also, uh, if you would, please uh, don't forget to uh, uh, help us with our Grace Network. Thank you for those that are continuing that. We sure do appreciate it. Finally, last one I have for you tonight, and folks who are singing, you all come get ready. Uh, we've given out all of our masks uh, that we've ordered. We have ordered more, and we've mailed a, a handful out tonight. We had a whole bunch of you in social media who work with us or are part of our church uh, ask us for them. We've got them ordered. Uh, we'll get them to you, but it's going to be about three weeks before they arrive, so we'll get them all passed out again. So just be patient with us if it would. Y'all come on sing tonight. Bloodline of David, that's who I 
job. Awesome. John chapter number 10 tonight, please, church. John chapter number 10. Well, I learned a long time ago that as God's youngins, we might not have the nicest, fanciest homes. We might not wear designer clothes. We might not have the most money in the bank account, but if we're part of God's family, we have royal blood. Amen. We have a heavenly father and we got a big brother who makes sure that we are well taken care of. John chapter 10 tonight, please. We will begin reading in just a few moments in verse number 11, and we will read down tonight through verse number 18. We are now at the halfway point of our series that we've entitled, The Great I Am Still Is. As we're looking at the seven I Am statements uttered by Christ as recorded in the Gospel of John. I'll take just a moment and kind of level set and do an inventory as a reminder that in each of these situations, in each of these statements, Christ utilizes his surroundings, he utilizes the very familiar circumstances in which he finds himself to utter an I am statement and thereby reveal a characteristic of his divine nature. Let me give it to you a different way. We often talk about how Christ is our all in all, that he's everything, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. But what does that really mean? For in each of these I am statements, Christ utilizes the familiar surroundings to reveal another characteristic of who he is as the Son of God. You'll recall that in the very first one, Christ has just fulfilled the miracle that we know of as the feeding of 5,000 where he has taken five loaves of bread and two fishes and fed multitudes of thousands of people. And of course, that crowd is clamoring for another miracle, clamoring for another divine outpouring, if you will, uh, of manna or clamoring for another divine miracle of being fed. And to that story, to that crowd, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He goes on to say, I'm paraphrasing, you eat of that food again, you'll be hungry tomorrow. But you eat this food, you'll never be hungry again. The second I am statement is recorded by John and uttered by Christ moments after Christ heals a man who had been blind since birth. Of course, the the disciples asked an incredible question, Lord, who sinned, this man or the man's family? 
Christ says what I think is one of the most unfathomable statements that we struggle with sometimes. He said, neither. All of this was for the glory of God. And Josh and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I think I shared it with you. That man had lived his entire life blind for one reason, so that God could get glory when he got healed. To them, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The third I am statement is recorded in John chapter number 10 where Christ is utilizing an image that would be all too familiar to everyone in Israel. The image of the shepherd and the sheep is one that is all too familiar to any Jew living in Christ's day. To put it in perspective, it would be like going to West Virginia and talking about coal mining. Everybody would understand it. It'd be like going to Martinsville 40 years ago and talking about furniture factories. Everybody would understand it because it's part of the DNA of the community. The same principle applies when Christ says uh, to these Jews surrounding him, uh, when he says, I am the door of the sheep. Recall I mentioned to you last week that that image of him being the door is a reminder that he is the thoroughfare for salvation. In other words, the sheep don't get in unless they go through him. Yet it is also that image of being reminded that he is the one that's standing between the sheep and the enemy. For not only is he the agent of salvation, he is the one that's protecting the sheep from those which seek to destroy the sheep. It is that image that Christ will expand upon as he continues to talk about the imagery of him being the shepherd. I know I said last week, I'll not repeat myself, but let me just quickly say, of all of the images that the Bible gives us to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church, I don't think any are more potent than that of the shepherd and the sheep. Let's go into our text tonight and begin reading in John chapter 10, verse number 11. Christ speaking says, I am the good shepherd. Again, if you write in your Bibles, underline that statement. That's the fourth I am statement. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's a hireling and careth not for the sheep. And then Christ says again, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. If I might paraphrase that last clause, Christ says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Verse 15, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And note verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, 
And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. And finally, verse 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. During this discourse, this conversation, Jesus has previously declared himself to be the door of the sheep. That is one important image, for it reminds us that the only way for the sheep to get in the sheepfold is to go through the door. By way of application, we spoke last week about the simple reality that Jesus is still the only way of salvation. Wednesday night crowd, you know it, but it bears repeating. Uh, he didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. Still the only way of salvation is through that door of Jesus Christ. But now the image of the sheep and its protecting agent is going to be extended even further. You see, the image of Christ being the door for the sheep is the image of him being the sole entry point for salvation. But the image of him being the shepherd doesn't only speak of salvation, but it speaks of our security. I want us to look at three things tonight. As we understand this message where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Three things. Note number one, the significance of our shepherd. The significance of our shepherd. In one simple statement, Jesus records a very important, significant relationship between him and the sheep. Go back, if you would, and look at that declaration as found in verse number 11. Note what it says. The first five words, I am the good shepherd. He repeats it again in verse 14 where he says the same four word, five words again. I am the good shepherd. May I simply say, if Jesus says it once, it's important. If he says it twice, you better be listening. And when he verily says here twice, I am the good shepherd, it's an emphatic statement declaring that he alone is the shepherd of the sheep. In just a moment, he's about to differentiate himself from him and the hireling. But at this moment, he wants everyone to understand that in his relationship to the sheep, he has no equal, he has no counterpart, and he has no rival. I will tell you candidly, I sometimes get frustrated in public discourses of religion because it would appear that the name Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, and other great preachers, quote, get lapped into the same Congress. But would you hear me tonight? You can't put Jesus in the same bucket as any other person because he's not a religious leader. If he's just a religious leader, then the Bible's a lie. If he's just a religious leader, then he was a lie. He didn't say, I am a shepherd. He said, I am the shepherd. Jesus alone is the only one that can claim that title. And he alone is the one that has the authority 
to claim. Notice not only the declaration, but notice his dedication. What makes him different than everybody else is recorded in the last half of verse 11. Notice what Scripture says. At the beginning, I am the good shepherd. And so that we understand what characterizes him as a good shepherd, he says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus reveals what separated him from anyone that came before him and what would separate him from anyone that would come after him. There might be many religious leaders, but you look at me, there's only one that gave his life for the sheep. There might be many preachers, but there's only one who ever gave his life for the sheep. Hear me tonight. The fact that the shepherd so loves the sheep that not only is he willing to die, many shepherds might say they're willing to die, but there's only one who could stand up and say, I gave my life, took it back again, all because I love the sheep. Hear me tonight. I am fortunate as a man to be loved by a lot of people. I have the love of my wife I have the love of my children. I have the love of a church family. I have the love of my father. I have a love of the mother. And I have love of a lot of people. But none of them could save me. As much as they love me and I love them, there's one thing I could not do for them and one thing they could not do for me. And it is the one thing that the shepherd did do for me that no one else could. He died for the sheep. His dedication makes it clear that he died so that others could live. The shepherd is differentiated from everybody else because he alone has the authority to say he's the good shepherd. Number one tonight, the significance of the shepherd. Number two, I hope you'll keep amening me. For Jesus quickly differentiates himself from another group of individuals that rarely get talked about anymore. Number one, there's the significance of the shepherd. Number two, there's the shamefulness of what Christ calls the hireling. The shamefulness of the hireling. That's a term that we don't use ever anymore. Let me explain it to you. A shepherd's life was the sheep. The sheep were his responsibility. If they failed, he failed. If they did not produce, the shepherd's life was then impacted. The shepherd's life was the sheep. But what if the shepherd got sick? What if the shepherd wanted a day off? What if the shepherd got covid What if the shepherd had to be gone for a few days? They would hire someone called a hireling. We today might think of them as temporary help. An hourly person that you pay for for the day. I hope you'll understand me. I'm not putting down any employee at all, but would you understand me when I say someone who's there only for the day is not going to have the same relationship with them sheep uh, as someone who's there with them every single moment of every single day. 
It's like saying parents love a child. A babysitter can love a child, but that doesn't compare to the love that a parent has for a child. So as we talk about this term, a hireling, I want you to understand that, that to differentiate it from the good shepherd, the hireling is the temporary person, whereas the shepherd is the eternal person. Notice two things, if you would. Number one, the desertion of the hireling. Verse 12 says, But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, who's owned the sheep or not. In other words, the sheep belong to who, church? The shepherd. They don't belong to the hireling. He's just there temporarily. Notice what happens. Who's owned the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming, and what does Scripture say he does? Leaveth the sheep and fleeth. Now let's kind of pause a second. One of my favorite topics to preach on, Psalm 23, Thy rod and thy staff comfort me, the shepherd's song. We've talked all about uh, how the rod uh, is there uh, to attack the wolf. It's the protecting agent. Uh, how that staff, shepherd, uh, is there to lift the sheep out of the cracks and crevices of the world. Uh, but if you only have a hireling, uh, when the wolf comes, the shepherd will stand there and fight, but the hireling flees. When the enemy attacks, the wolf the, 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 the shepherd will stand there and defend that sheep with his life. The hireling says, this ain't my job. The hireling says, I ain't getting paid enough for this. The hireling said, this won't end my job description. And so he abandons the sheep. May I say to you tonight that when faced with danger, as that wolf approached the sheep, the hireling deserts the sheep, he flees, and he leaves them absolutely defenseless. I hope you listen. His concern is not the sheep. The hireling's concern is himself. And when danger comes, the hireling says, I'm out of here. Others had come before Jesus claiming to be Christ, claiming to be the Messiah, but when trouble and adversary came, they fled. You couldn't identify them by their commitment. I want to take a sidestep for just a moment if I can. Because one of the important applications of this passage is the reminder. Now, we know that Jesus said he is the good shepherd. But we also have the very real analogy of a pastor who is what we call the under-shepherd. Listen to where I'm going. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one that we're following. But Christ makes it very clear. Paul says it. How can they hear without a preacher? How can the preacher go unless he be sent? There must be a preacher delivered the word of God who serves as the under-shepherd. Hear me now. The under-shepherd loves the sheep, especially when the enemy's attacking. The under-shepherd stands up and defends the sheep because if he doesn't, do you know what happens? We just read about it. The sheep are attacked. And they flee and scatter. The desertion is real. Let's keep reading in verse number 12, the last clause there. It says, Leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and note this last clause, and the wolf 
catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. I mentioned to you last week, sheep are absolutely defenseless. You know that. No wings to fly. Legs are not built for running. They don't have teeth. They don't have fangs. They don't have claws. They don't have venom. They have, the only protection that they have is the, sheep, is the shepherd. Their bodies are not meant to run. There's nothing about them that identifies the flee or fight. So they are wholly dependent upon the shepherd. May I just simply say, folks, and I hope you'll amen me, far too many pastors today have allowed the wolves in and absolutely destroy their congregations. Far too many today. Shepherds have stood back, though they have the Bible, though they've got the rod, though they've got the staff, though they've got the Word of God. Uh, too many churches uh, have an under-shepherd uh, who will do what the hireling does and step aside uh, and allow the wolf to come in and wreak absolute havoc upon a church congregation. We read about that, and you don't have to turn, but in Acts chapter 20, Scripture says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Verse 29, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. I, don't, I, I, I want to be very careful what I'm about to say because horrible things happen to good churches. Amen. Horrible things happen to good churches. But I must tell you, my heart breaks over the churches that seem to be talking about their glory years all in the past tense. Now, COVID's changed everything. We get it. I had, a, I had a preacher last night in the grocery store. I didn't even tell you this. Last night in the grocery store, as I'm trying to buy a salad for dinner, come up to me, pull his mask down, and he said, you're the preacher at Stanley Town, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. And big old crocodile tears just started streaming down his face. He said, preacher, would you pray for me and my church? I've worked all of my life to build a church, and now because of COVID, I'm witnessing the whole thing fall apart. He's not the only one. Preachers all over the country are seeing that happen. But you hear me tonight. I'm not talking about COVID. What I am saying to you is that there are far too many incredibly God-fearing churches who are no more because the wolf got in and destroyed it. He's committed to us. Let's be committed to him. Number three tonight. Number one, we said the significance of the shepherd. Number two, the shamefulness of the hireling. And finally tonight, the security of the shepherd. The security of the shepherd. Jesus is going to say a few things in these next few verses that I have to tell you, for the Jewish audience, they're not going to understand. They're, 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 they're not going to be able to grasp what it is that he's saying. It's not going to resonate with them. Notice, if you would, please, verse 14. I'm the good shepherd. They get that. Know my sheep, known of mine. They get that. Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now hear me. Most of the Jews are not going to grasp that. 
Recall that the Jews were not looking for a spiritual Messiah. They were looking for a physical king that was going to throw off the yoke of Roman bondage. They wanted to reestablish the Davidic kingdom or the palace and grandeur of Solomon. They wanted to reestablish the glory years of Israel. They did not understand that this was a shepherd who was not coming to set up a physical kingdom yet. He was there to set up a spiritual kingdom. And so when he said, I lay down my life for the sheep... They had no idea what he was talking about, but we do. You know what that says to me? He's committed to the security of the sheep. It's astounding, folks, when you think about it. He cares for us collectively, but he also cares for us individually. Do you think for just a moment, back, just tiptoe for a few moments, back through the your mind's eye about how God orchestrated events in your life to get you right where you needed to be so he could work in your life. Think about the things that God allowed you to go through. Sometimes they were painful. Sometimes they were glorious. Think about how he orchestrated the affairs of your life to get you right to the place where he could step in and say, now will you trust me? That's what the shepherd does. For each one of his sheep that, are, that, that, that he loves dearly, there's the guardian. But then I want you to notice the grace. This is where the Jew's mind would undoubtedly be blown. Notice what it says in verse 16. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also... I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. Are you catching that? He's talking to all these people. I'm just going to paraphrase this in town English. He's talking to all these people, and he says, these are my sheep. I'm talking to y'all. You hear me? These are my sheep. But I got some other sheep, too. And I got to go talk to them and bring them in as well. They're a whole different fold. What? is he talking about? To understand that, you've got to realize what Paul said. Christ came to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. Everyone who is listening to him talk today, everyone who is reviewing this and reading it and hearing it, everyone who's listening to him speak are Jews undoubtedly. And so he's, being, he's reminding them that as the Jewish Messiah, he is coming to them. He is offering them the place in the sheepfold. But thank God it doesn't stop with just the Jew. He says to them, almost as a precursor to what would happen, I'm also going over here to these Gentiles. Let me tell you, if he just said he's going to the Gentiles, the Jews would have thrown a teetotal hissy fit. Because they, candidly, I'm not being unkind, uh, but they thought the Jews, uh, the Jews thought the Gentiles, the Greeks, were barbarians. Uh, They had nothing to do with them. They thought they were out of God's will. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm for you, but I'm also going, by the way, that's us. There's the grace of that. And I hope you'll continue to say amen. Note the next clause in the middle of verse 16. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice, and note this, there shall be one fold and one shepherd. One fold 
in the human mind, they're differentiated between Jew and Greek. But Christ says, I'm bringing them all under one tent. Let me give you a few other things that Christ also relates to this verse. We might look at them as male and female. But Christ says he's no respecter of persons. They are all under one tent. Let me go a step further. We might look at them as black or white. But God says they're all under one tent. You understand, folks, I said this to you back in the summer when this whole country was exploding. And I'm as serious as I can be. The idea of racism does not align with the Bible that you hold in your lap. Christ is not a respecter of persons. And I am old-fashioned enough to believe uh, that what would fix uh, almost every single ill, if not every ill that we are facing still today, is found in the Bible. If we would recognize uh, that God does not value uh, one over the other, uh, and if God doesn't, why in heaven's name should we? Finally tonight... The last clause, he goes on to say in verse 17, one shepherd, verse 17, Therefore, doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, and then he makes an astounding statement that I may take it again. Again, they have no idea what he's talking about. 18, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I love this. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Please understand something, folks. Calvary was still in the future. Christ knew that he was on a march toward Calvary, but these Jewish audiences didn't. He'd soon give his life uh, for, the, for a ransom for the sins. Uh, at that moment, he would be offering himself as an atonement for sin, but they didn't get any of it. But here's what I want you to get. Christ is saying, I have the power to lay it down, and I've got the power to take it back up. I listened to an astonishing debate three years ago between spiritual leaders over the topic, quote, what really killed Jesus? And they went back and forth. These were highly educated, learned men, and I appreciated the depth of our arguments. They talked about, was it the nails? They talked about, it was the sun? They talked about, was it the spear? And finally, after all was said and done, one of them uttered a simple statement going to this verse where they said it wasn't the spear, it wasn't the beatings that he endured, it wasn't the nails, it wasn't the roasting in the sun. What took his life was the fact he gave his life. When he says he gave, when the Bible says he gave up the ghost, it was a willing act of his to give his life. That's what he meant when he said, I'm going to build the temple, and in three days I will rebuild it. So I say to you tonight, in that instant and in that moment, he secured our salvation. We considered, folks, a, a powerful passage. I'm done. I'm thankful that I know the door, because that's what got me in the sheepfold. But I'm even more thankful that I know the good shepherd, 
But you know what I'm really thankful for? That the good shepherd knows me. Next week, we'll look at the fifth statement where Christ says, I am the resurrection and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I'm so grateful for your attention and time you're giving us. And I hope as we study this, you'll recognize the divine characters are the one we serve. Let's pray together. Father, we say thank you. We, 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 we say thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open up this incredible, powerful, sacred, holy word of God. And Lord, as we examine these seven I am statements found in the Gospel of John, it's my humble desire that we would recognize more and more the incredible nature of the God we serve. And that we would step back celebrating the fact that indeed we, have, we know the door. We've come through that door into the sheepfold and now we are being heavenly protected by our good shepherd. He is indeed the good shepherd. Leading us to still waters, leading us to green pastures and at the same time protecting us from an enemy oftentimes that we don't even see. Lord, I pray your blessings upon all of the requests that were mentioned tonight. Lord, again, thank you for answered prayer. Lord, I pray that you would bless this congregation as we continue to serve in this community. And Lord, for all those around us, businesses, churches, who are doing their best to try to stay afloat in this environment, I pray that you'd bless them, strengthen them. Lord, I simply say thank you for how you've blessed SAGBC in the middle of a pandemic. We are we're just humbled, God, by how good you've been to us. We love you tonight. Not a surprise. What's amazing is that you love us. Bless us as we depart now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for your attention. You're dismissed this evening.